1: keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply
0: what did you guys what did you guys make of forbert's return to the lineup we talked with him last episode about potentially going in over Grizzly, who might be battling some sickness or whatever but how did you feel like he uh acclimated
1: I thought he was solid I mean you know I think he spent the a- It's interesting because I feel like when you put forward in, like you're you're gonna be conceding a little bit of possession in zone time, but your your expectation is that he's gonna hold up and do his job when he does have to spend time in the D zone. And I thought he did. Like I thought, yeah, he probably spent more time in his own zone than you would like, but he does a good job of keeping guys to the outside, blocking shots, you know, preventing guys from getting to the front of the net kind of keeping things under control and you know he was obviously a big part of the penalty kill which goes two for two and doesn't give up a single shot on goal so that was another huge plus so you know i thought he basically did did what was expected of him and you see why montgomery wants him in the lineup montgomery said after the game you know that's basically it like he's it's the d zone stuff you they know they're going to they know you know, five on five possession transition wise, they're not as good with forward in the lineup as they are with Grizzly. It's, you know, I think their approach is like the Florida. They're so good offensively and they're good for checking and on the cycle. They're going to get some time almost no matter who's in there. And so they're going to put in the guy that they think is going to hold up better against
0: that yeah I and Bridget I'll throw to you um, but yeah like, I just feel like there's there's a lot of plays I feel like that can just die offensively for Florida in the Boston zone like sometimes they just like when they're in the zone, the, the Boston D zone their ozone like they'll rim they'll rim it around the boards and try to switch possession on the other side of the ozone but like like Forberg can like cut that off behind the net and he can do that with his frame and stature and he can just let that play die on his stick and just like go the other way with it whereas and he can absorb like a check or two behind a net and still get that puck to his partner or the center. Whereas as gifted as a skater and as good as a passer as Matt Grizzlick is, he's not better than Forbert at doing that. Forbert can let plays die for Florida behind the Bruins net with his with his side, just his size. and so just like literally just blocking a puck on the boards and like eating a couple of hits. Matt can do that too but not as frequently and as effective as forward can. And I think that's what you're referring to, Scott, about when Montgomery kind of values him in the D zone.
2: Yeah, and, and I also thought that he killed plays in front of the net, right? Rebound chances, he was clearing guys out from in front of Allmark, you know, allowing Allmark to see the, the rebound chance or finding it and getting it out and just taking away the space for – the Panthers to get into that area in front of the net because he's a big guy and you can't easily push him out of that spot if he's got position on you. And I thought Orlov did a good job of it as well, but it saved the Bruins not giving up second chance opportunities to have a stronger, bigger defenseman in that area, clearing out the front of the net. So I think it killed those second chance opportunities as well. And you you could see the benefit of it. Uh, Grizzlik obviously you could go with him as well, but it, it did. I did notice um, some of the physical play with uh, Orlov and Forbert um, making a difference. So it's, I think it was one, one of you that mentioned, I think it was you, Brian, that um, the matchup probably dictated Forbert over Grizzlick because it's Florida. Um, and, you know, if you drew a different opponent in the first round, maybe Grizzlick would be your guy, but um, yeah, Montgomery seemed like he was, it wasn't It was hesitant to make that change to Forbert. Um, he didn't look rusty, so that was good because we had questioned that. We actually questioned whether or not he'd be in the lineup at all in game one, um, but both him and Felino come back. Um, Scott, I don't know if you had any final thoughts on Forbert, but we could also talk about Foligno and his first game back.
1: No, I just – You know, it is interesting. Like, I do wonder if, say, Florida continues to control five-on-five play like they did more in the first half of the game. Like, would we see Grizzly come in at some point if the Bruins thought, you know, hey, we need a better transition game. We need more possession. We want to spend more time in their zone. Like, I could potentially see that. But for now, it looks like, you know, all things considered, the game-one formula – with forward in worked pretty well. And the Bruins did find their five on five game, especially in the third period, where, you know, they outshoot the Panthers thirteen to eight and really kinda, you know, gave up a couple good chances, but really for the most part, um, didn't give them any openings to to start a comeback. So you figure if they can play more like that, then, you know, then you're you're not really thinking about making a change on the back end as of now.
0: And you're also without your top defensive forward and I think maybe that may have played into it a little bit too. Let's say it was a game time decision between Forbert and Grizzlick, which it wasn't because I think Montgomery said earlier in the day he was in that Forbert was going to be in. But um knowing that Bergeron wasn't going to be in the lineup, maybe that was more reason to kind of just go the more defensive third pair there. So um Bridget you mentioned Nick Felino. Yeah. Um low key his his return to the lineup in a couple of months, right? So um to my eye, he looked fine. Uh, all things considered, I think he'll just keep getting better and better with with more reps. Um, how did you guys feel like he was?
1: Yeah, I think I think fine is probably the right way to put it. Like, it, you didn't see him, you know, have like a ton, like a burst of speed or anything really. Um, he was involved in you know some scrums, some physical plays, board battles, but like didn't think he was overly physical. So probably a little bit of, you know, first game back, finding his game, you know, finding the, his timing, his feel, all that. So probably to be expected a bit, but uh, you know, I think certainly as he settles into the series, like if he is feeling good, he's a guy you can definitely see, you know, making a difference. The the way that you saw, you know, Bertuzzi and Hathaway, like really bring some energy or love at times, you know, bad turnover aside i thought orlov other than that played really well um you know felino's another one of those guys who like just fits that playoff mold and you hope as he gets you know a couple games under his belt um gets closer to to being fully back up to speed but yeah an encouraging first game back he didn't look way off the pace or anything like that so um all things you know i thought i thought that fourth line in general had a good game like no sick, really key again, 10 of 14 on faceoffs. Uh, they had a lot of defensive zone shifts. They saw a lot of Barkov. Hathaway, you know, the goal that wasn't, but he was all around it all night in the middle of a lot of stuff. So um, we've talked about how that fourth line kind of has an attitude and, and an amenity. And I thought you saw that. And I think as Felino gets going even more, you're only going to see even more of that because he can bring all of that.
2: Yeah. He, he had the fewest minutes of anyone on the ice, which, which I mean, not super surprising. He had just under nine minutes, but he, like you said, kept pace. And this is the kind of series they need him, right? They have other guys that can step up and be physical like Hathaway, but, um, Foligno is somebody that's not going to take, you know, some of the, some of the cheap shots and, and some of the, after the whistle stuff, um, so when we're talking about a grittier matchup with Florida, you look to Nick Felino to handle some of that stuff that happens, um, after the whistle and the game started out really chippy in that there was some pretty dirty plays coming from Florida. And I think maybe the first five minutes, uh, I was just sitting there going, oh my God, they're going to murder like everyone on this team until there's no one left. Like there was a cheap shot up. At- Pasternak there was Marshawn got high sticked in the face, like they were coming out swinging, and you need guys on your team that can kind of stop, put put an end to that. And Felina is one of those guys.
0: Well, speaking of getting high sticked in the face, Bridget, you sent Scott and I a video before we started recording of uh, you getting uh, (laughs) hit hit in the face with a couple of microphones during the scrum with Tyler Rattuzzi. So, I think, Mm -hmm. um which was funny, but I
2: needed Nick Foligno.
0: What's that? <laughs> I yeah. I needed exactly.
2: Nick Foligno to come in and clear him out and <laughs> protect exactly. me. Exactly. I, I literally got hit with two mics at the same time to the point where I couldn't even see Bertuzzi anymore. <laughs> I was pissed.
0: Well, he, um, he made his presence known last night, a couple of assists in his first playoff game, obviously kind of had a viral video go, go around with him stealing the cousin's stick and just, you know, breaking it in the bench. And, um, you know, that was being,
2: hilarious, by the being, way.
0: It was, it was. And and that was that was him playing like the like the player and the agitator and pest that he was in Detroit. Like he came to Boston and he kind of just seemed really well behaved and, and well mannered and just kind of getting used to his environment. But um clearly a player we 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 all envisioned um, relishing relishing the playoffs with, with Boston, and he is.
1: Yeah, and I like that after the game he acknowledged that that was stupid, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, there's gonna be stupid things that happen, and that was one of them." And it's like, you know, like stupid things don't really have to happen. Like you don't have to steal <laughs> a guy's stick and bring it back to the bench, but and you know, by the way, like if he gets caught, it is a penalty. Like that, yep. very obviously holding the stick. But um, also, you're not, you're yeah, not allowed to like, have sticks
2: you're not allowed to have two sticks in your hands at any time so no matter whose they are like you're not even able to pick up your teammate's stick and try to give it to him like that's a penalty you can't have two sticks
1: yeah but like it's it's the kind of thing that like brad martian would have done when he was younger and might still do at times but you know certainly doesn't do as often but like i know it's like you know after it happened connor ryan tweeted out the video of the game where uh, Marshan tried to push Robbie Fabry into the Bruins bench, like as they're both leaving the ice and he's, he's just like shoving him into the bench. Like it it reminded me of that, just like very annoying or, you know, you go back to like Montreal and, you know, go back like a decade and Sean Thornton, like squirting a water bottle at that guy. It's just like, it doesn't serve any purpose other than just to be a pest. And that's, Part of what Bertuzzi brings, and you know, obviously beyond that, he played a great game. The, the two assists just come from being all around the net. um You know, he he played the third most minutes of Bruins forwards. Like that was that was a huge game. That line with him, creation Pasanak, in terms of ice time, was the top line, and they they played like it.
2: You call it annoying. I call it entertaining. <laughs> I was thoroughly amused by that. <laughs> it's so stupid and and I once again I poor Scott has to sit next to me in the press box every game, so he has to listen to all my commentary. But I leaned over to him and I was like I remember hating this guy when he was on Detroit and thinking he was like so annoying and it but when he's on your team it's just entertaining. Like when he's when you're watching him play in Boston, you're like that's funny. <laughs> so, so I just watched him break it, and you see like the little bits of his that side of his personality come out. Um, as long as he keeps it under control, and and you know, I guess if you uh, don't get caught, then it's fine. But um, I, I thought it was pretty funny, honestly. And I and to to actually analyze his play on that line, um, that line had so much chemistry that line was clicking that line. It was like they knew where each other were on the ice at all times without even like having to look around. Um, crazy we always have said kind of plays with the eyes on the back of his head kind of, um, sense of where people are. But I think Bertuzzi showed that with the past, the Pasternak. And I, I also felt like they were making plays and thinking at a really high pace, um, they, the chemistry was there right away. We mentioned Bertuzzi and, and Pasternak getting a lot of time together. Um, Krejci and him had a little bit of time together before that, but now when you see that together as a line, uh, it, it worked. It, it it worked. I thought the chemistry was great.
0: Um, so one player I wanted to bring up on the back end was Charlie McAvoy, and there was a play, I believe it was in the – I want to say it was the third period, earlier third period, and the Bruins were shorthanded. I think it was either Carter Hagee or Sam Reinhardt, who, in my opinion, should have been penalized two minutes for a clear boarding. Um, and it was very, very obvious to me that it should have been a penalty. Uh, and I thought that McAvoy was potentially one of those concussions a la Carlo or Grizzlick in playoffs past and he finished the game and had some piss and vinegar in his next shift and took a run at Sam Reinhardt, I guess my question to you guys is, do you feel like, A, he may have dodged a bullet there um, injury-wise, but, B, since he did potentially dodge that bullet, perhaps that may have been a, a wake-up call for him to play, the, play with a little bit of edge that makes him um, one of the best defensemen in the league when he's on his game.
1: Yeah. I thought, I thought that clearly set him off and, and understandably so. And yes, I do think he dodged a bullet because it was, it was a high hit. It was hard. It was kind of from behind, like definitely could have done some damage. You know, you always worry about the whiplash effect or like the head getting pinned to the boards. Um, You know, right after it happened, like I was watching him on the bench and I was waiting to see if, you know, if anyone came down the tunnel to like pull him for a concussion check. And, they didn't he went right back out for his next shift like 40 seconds later and yeah like you said like he just came out flying Reinhardt plays a puck behind the net and McAvoy just steamrolls him from behind and it was almost like okay like you're not gonna call it then fine I'll play that game Um, and yeah I thought I thought he had a really good game overall I thought him and Orlov together Again, the one Orlov turnover aside was very good. They were on the ice a lot facing, you know, the Panthers' top two lines. And McAvoy, I just think, looked confident and poised, um, especially in his own zone. Like, he maybe wasn't quite as involved offensively. Orlov definitely was. Orlov led the team in nine shots on goal. But McAvoy, I just thought, played a really strong, solid game. And definitely seemed to kick it up a notch after taking that hit. Whereas, like, all right, like, screw this, you know, you're not pushing me around, you're not knocking me down. Like, now, now you woke me up. Like, deal with it.
2: Yeah, it was like I'm not the hunted; I'm the hunter. <laughs> um, after that point, and you know, every time McAvoy comes up slow, um, you know, or or you see him take a hit high that you can just sense the whole like energy get lower in the building cuz it's always like um like worried immediately because that's a guy that you can't have go down and you know we got that for a second there but um I think Scott said it pretty well and that that pair worked cuz we we had talked about you know oh should they should they keep the like Lindholm, McAvoy, and Orlov all split onto different lines. Obviously when Forbert comes back in, the natural fit for him is with Clifton, who also had a very physical game, not surprisingly, and laid some checks and added some energy. So he's one guy on the back end that really can can do that for you.
0: Yeah, that's why I think he's an imperative guy to have in that lineup and he's only like five ten, I think five eleven, but he plays he plays much bigger than he is and He's one of the most physical players in the Bruins. Um, So there was never a doubt in my mind that Clifton would be uh, a playoff, playoff regular for this team.